This episode of 100 Not Out proudly brought to you by the 2017 Greek Island Longevity Retreat to Ikaria, the island where people forget to die. To find out more and to join Damien, myself, and an intimate group of 100 Not Outers, go to www.100notout.com. That's 100notout.com. TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to 100 Not Out, featuring your hosts, Dr. Damien Christoph and Marcus Pierce. Hello and welcome to 100 Not Out, a weekly show dedicated to helping you master the art of aging well. My name is Marcus Pierce, and here I am with the legendary co-founder of The Wellness Couch and The Wellness Guys, Dr. Damien Christoph. Hello, mate. Hello, Marcus. You are the, I was going to say the master of mindfulness, but... I'm definitely not. If I did that, <laughs> what would I call oh. our very special guest today? Let me read to you from the, the top. The master of mindfulness, the Yoda of mindfulness himself is Mr. <laughs> Marvin Oka. Marvin is a highly sought after international consultant and speaker specializing in leading edge behavioral change technologies and research. Recognized as a world leader in his field, Marvin has built an impressive track record helping people and organizations with strategic, systemic, and personal change. He's been featured on The Wellness Guys. He's been featured on uh, One Minute Mindfulness, but never on 100 Not Out no. until today. Mm. And he's been good enough to join us live at 100 Not Out HQ. Mr. Marvin Oka, it's an absolute honor to have you in the building. Thanks so much for joining us. Great. Thanks, guys. I'm really excited to be here. Marvin, it is a pleasure to have you here. The first time you and I met was in San Francisco just on 12 months ago, actually. Yeah, it was, which yes. is amazing. So happy anniversary, mate. It's really <laughs> awesome. <laughs> anniversary of the friendship. It's really nice. Oh, I it's really I great. I recovered from that interview since then. So. <laughs> <laughs> that was how I first became enamored with Marvin. It was one of, uh, one of your fine. I've never told you this. One of your finest interviews. It reminded me a bit of our Trevor Hendy interview where you could just listen to mm. the man talk all day because there's so much. Yeah feeling in uh, what he says. Well, that's what I'm excited about today because Marvin and I have uh, have had the opportunity to, I suppose, bump into each other a number of different times mm-hmm. in different circles, but increasingly the circle is getting smaller and smaller, which I find profound, particularly with the topic of what we've been talking about today with regards to community and surrounding yourself with people that mean something to you. And so I, I like that Marvin's, you know, falling into that circle which is fabulous but Marvin you are a busy man and you are doing some amazing things you're doing some great work at the moment uh, within my profession chiropractic to assist us in communicating better which is fabulous um, but I and I've, we've read your book too Embraining and I know you've got the courses going on with that too and so there's there's so many great things that you are doing what is it that you're up to right now what what is it that's floating your boat and changing the world yeah, yeah at the core of what I do is does it make any difference out there in the world? So I take a look at how society is working. And society, if you look at it as a system, is revolving around some core feedback loops, some core loops that society is revolving around. It's like any living system, really. It's self-organizing around some core things. And I try and find ways in which we can do what's called second-order change, which is change to a system. How does the system learn from itself and grow and evolve itself to a higher order? Mm-hmm. So the, the goal is, how can I help society make wiser decisions? You know, if you look out in the world, it's a beautiful world. There's a lot of lovely things about the world, obviously. And yet at the same time, we see also a lot of dysfunctionality. We see a lot of strange policies coming out of government that people don't agree with. We see strange laws happening. We see corporate greed. We see social inequities. We see environmental degradation. We see a whole range of things that anyone in their right mind would say, why? Why is that happening? Somebody somewhere is making decisions, are making decisions, 
at a level that if anyone were just would just stop and think, you would say you wouldn't make that decision. So how is this possible? How does it how does it not only occur? How does it continue to occur? Mm. And so, how do we actually shift that? How do we actually make a difference? And of course, with any living system, you can't do it. It's not a technical answer. You can't just say, "Here's the solution." It's about humans learning how to grow together, how to evolve together, how to raise our consciousness together. So, I do projects that are about that, and I look for industries where there's going to be leverage. Hence, why I like to do things, particularly in the wellness industry, where you've got people already attuned to that kind of a trajectory and thinking. Uh, chiropractors are absolutely lovely. They have already a way of thinking that says, "How do we actually do things very differently?" Around here, uh, so I, I go where there is free energy, where the energy is there, where people can start to make a difference, and I create projects accordingly. So whether it's with health, whether it's leadership teams, executive teams that are looking to do some good social enterprise work, uh, you know, social social entrepreneurship, where they can make a difference out there in society. Uh, I take a look at anything from you know, the, lots of martial artists in particular as well. Well, you've got the fighting end of mm -hmm. martial arts, but there's also the end that looks at what's called Budo philosophy. So how do you actually work with martial arts to improve oneself and one's character? Mm -hmm. And so there's so many aspects in society where there actually is potential for a lot of leverage. And, and that's what keeps me interested. If it, if it can make a difference, yeah, then I get interested. Well, I love the, I love I the simplicity and the complexity of Sorry. what Marvin's doing. There's, it, some of it sounds like high-end, you know, was it a second, what was it? Second, second order change. Second yeah. order change. Mm -hmm. It's like, whoa, that's okay. I love but that. But then, exactly, right? It's like order 2.0. Exactly. <laughs> second order change. And then at the base, his heart is all about, I just want to make a difference. And yeah. everyone that's listening or watching 100 Not Out wants to make a difference in their own life or in the life of their family or their community and so on. And so one thing that I suppose when I listened to your interview with Marvin on the wellness guys, I was very um, attracted to it for the way that you, I suppose, communicated this buzzword that we talk about today and that is mindfulness. Mm. And people are looking to make a difference in their lives by becoming more mindful. Would you be kind enough to share with us your experiences in this trend which and i don't want to call it a trend because ideally it's a way of life and not something that comes and then disappears but for want of a better term would you be kind enough to share with us your experiences in this trend and what you're observing in in human nature around mindfulness yeah mindfulness is a as a topic really near and dear to me because it has a lot to do with a generative consciousness what i would call a generative consciousness if done well so to understand it a bit more it helps understand a bit of its history so obviously it comes from a lot of Buddhist practices, as we hear that particular term. And uh, my understanding is, well, there's, you know, who knows who wrote the narrative or who wrote the history books. Uh, but you could say that one of the people that made it very popular in a, in a commercial sense was John Kabat-Zinn. And he started to talk a lot about how to actually work with mindfulness in practical ways targeted for, the we for Westerners. Uh, since then, I, I think he did a good job. But, but, but since then, the hardcore meditation practitioners would say that where mindfulness has gone in terms of its commercialism uh, is down, down, down the wrong path. Uh, it's, it's turned into a, a simple set of techniques or it seems like it, it's a, a fix-it type of, a, of an approach. Uh, whereas in many ways, mindfulness is first of all, first and foremost, while it is comprised of a set of techniques, it is a competence. It's an ability you have to develop. And if you inculcate that ability into your way of being, it becomes a quality that you can have. And so mindfulness can be first, you have to start as a practice. You have to do things. But then you have to then make it not just a habit, 
but you have to make it as part of your, your natural mode of consciousness. Now, when you look at mindfulness, you hear different types of descriptions of how people describe various techniques. And from what I can see, they usually approach it from two different angles. Sometimes they'll go together, but often they'll be missing a third. But the third is, was the point, really. So the first is you'll hear a lot of mindfulness techniques around simply being present, to be mindful, to be present to your experience and to be present in your experience. So to be mindful of be here now, what are you experiencing? Can you feel your body? Focus on your breath, basic techniques like that that get you very present. But then there's other mindfulness techniques that once you are present, you can then become conscious. You can become aware of that experience to, be, to in some ways, experience your experience, which is a different order of consciousness to become aware of what's going on. Now, the challenge is, is that while those two are incredibly helpful, being present can, re can balance your autonomic nervous system and get you back out, get out of stress or out of lethargy and back into a nice autonomic coherence zone. And being aware of it, gives, it gets the foundation for your own personal evolution, but it doesn't guarantee it. You know, I've heard people actually say things like, you know, uh, awareness alone will, will be curative. I've not necessarily found that to be the case. So uh, we, we joked about that last night, didn't we? We were saying exactly that. You know, my wife at the moment is doing a, a, a meditation program. And we said, oh, it's great because if you stay quiet for an hour, it's going to improve life. Your whole life's going to improve. And so there is this thought around it that if you can just meditate for an hour, all of a sudden everything's going to improve. Um, but you, you're right. It's a, it's it's. I can't remember it's, the word. What was the word used before? Yeah. It's competency, a competency yeah, a um, to be able to maintain mindfulness. It's not something you just do in spits right. and spurts. It's like you're conscious. Yes, yeah, that's, that's yes, right. And so the, just to be aware of something, aware of you know, for, I, could, I, could for I could be aware that, that, that someone's upsetting me. And upsetting. I can be aware of the thoughts that's causing my upset. So what? Exactly. You know, you know it's it sort of, you know, I'm screwed and now I know I'm screwed. It's like, well, what good is that? So there's a third aspect, which is now a function of emergence. And this is where consciousness now has to come into play. And you now have to reach a choice consciousness. To become aware of, of how you're experiencing the world and then now to be at a place where you can choose. Do I want to keep experiencing myself this way or experiencing whatever I'm experiencing this way? And these are my thoughts. Do I want to keep choosing these thoughts or not? And that's a whole different order of consciousness. So consciousness has, um, someone asked me this the other day and they said, what's your definition of consciousness? And I said, well, it's like saying, what's your definition of wellness or communication? It's, anybody's got their definition and you've got varying ones. So I said, without trying to lock it into a set of words, one of the things we do know is when you talk about consciousness, it's not a thing. You have levels of it. So you have levels of awareness. But the fact that there are levels means it's recursive. There, I can be aware of something, then I can be aware that I'm aware of that. Yeah. Then I can be aware that I'm aware of being aware of that. Yeah. <laughs> I've got succeeding orders. Sure. And there comes a point where if you actually also bring, for lack of better terms right now, because there, there aren't exact words for this these days, but if you, if, you, if you brought in human spirit or human essence into that equation as well, into the consciousness, intention arises. And so now it becomes, okay, I'm experiencing this in the world. I, I, you know, I'm upset or I'm angry or I'm, I'm resentful of something or whatever it might be. 
is this really what I want? Is this really who I am? Is this really the best expression of an authentic sense of who I am? And I need to connect to that first. From there, I can now start to take that awareness and do something with it. I can now start to emerge myself into the next, the next way of being I need to become to be more authentic and more congruent. And that's a different order of mindfulness altogether. And, and that's the goal. And that's the goal. Marvin's just launched the next trend. He's no, not far off it. My heart rate is just about half. I know, right? Since he started talking. I don't know I'm about to fall asleep. I'm actually it's so, so calm. calm. Like, <laughs> so calm. Oh, I was wow. the same thing. But Marvin's just said that, you know, we've got mindfulness, which is a practice, with, you know, which many people are trying to involve themselves in. But he's saying, you know, that you, it's really, it's, it, it's something that you need to be. Uh, it, it's, it's, a, it's a competency that you need to have, like, you know, walking or talking or breathing. It's, 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 a, it's, a, right. it's a quality, it's a trait. It's, it's right. Yeah. But the next thing is intentional. Like, the, yeah. you know, we might find, Marvin, this could be the next book. It could be the uh, <laughs> eye-braining, you know what I mean? So it might be all about uh, intention, you know. In, in obviously, you can be aware, which is saying, multiple levels of awareness. But when you say that uh, intention becomes apparent, um, or it appears, that's uh, that's what I find fascinating because you need intention, otherwise you're going nowhere. Uh, exactly. So can I raise a sticky point on this? Yes. A lot of people will, will say, if, they, if we had a studio audience here, they'd say, well, I intend to be a good person, mm. but when my wife uh, gives me grief or when my husband gives me grief, I love them, yeah. but that's, I've that's had a... That's spelled differently. That's intention. <laughs> <laughs> As opposed to intention. Yes. I, I, I talk about this with, with, uh, in leadership development as well when I'm working with executive teams, and, and uh, there are several factors that we have to test a good viable living system if the organization's a living system. And if we look at leadership in particular, uh, one of the aspects is intentionality. So unlike a living system that's just, say, a swamp or a forest that's same, just self-organizing onto its own, as humans, we have intentions. There's things that we want to, to go out and achieve. And I mentioned the word intentionality very, very, in a very clear context for a lot of leaders. I say, let's take a look at your, your organizational strategy, for instance, and your strategic objectives. Uh, if I'm dealing with an individual, let's take a look at your goals in life and et cetera. And sure, that's what you state you want, but do you have any intention of actually yeah. achieving that and fulfilling that? Yeah. It's a completely different so thing. So you're testing them. That's you're right. testing the words. It's like you say the right thing, but show yeah. me you love yeah. it. I know you want to. I know you as yeah. aspire to even, but do you actually have any real intent? Are you actually going to apply yourself? Is there willpower behind this? Is there energy behind this? Nice. Right? Not just smoke and mirrors. Yeah, exactly. So this is where mindfulness is not some la 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 peace and bliss type of thing. It actually takes work. It actually tests whether you're lying through your teeth that you're mindful because mm. it's a nice thing to do. Mm. This is where it starts to get like, well, the rubber's about to hit the road. Are you prepared to jump on the roller coaster for all the times your mindfulness gets challenged mm. when things happen, when you get bills you weren't expecting, when you're in arguments you didn't think you would be in, when the kids behave in a way you didn't want to, when right. someone says something that you weren't expecting? That's when mindfulness becomes nitty gritty and it's not just something that's fluffy at a Thursday night workshop. Yeah. It's something that you actually have to go, am I truly prepared to really put my butt on the line and as Vicky Kelly would say, am I prepared to kill him with kindness, yeah, right? right. Mm. Rather than retreat or, or, or still like fight or flight, actually fight. Mm. You know, it's about finding that peaceful place inside no matter how hard it is. Yeah. Yeah, there's a couple of uh, things I'll, I'll highlight on top of that as well. As you said, find that peaceful place inside because it's from that peaceful place 
where more authenticity can actually emerge. So there's a difference between an intention that is goal-driven versus an intention that is an expression of essence. It's a, it, they're very different forms of intention. Mm. And so the, the way I like to point this out is, is in my work in generative learning, let me just kind of go on, kind of go down one path well, first and, down, and, and then I'll come good. back. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So a lot of my work is on what, what I call generative learning. And it's based on, the, on a, a seminal paper written decades ago by Gregory Bateson. And Bateson outlined what he called different levels of learning. And it was an academic paper, and it was theoretical, and, but when I read it, the concepts were profound. So I, I spent the last several decades actually trying to turn it into an actual practical methodology. And so to, to kind of shortcut what he said, basically he said there, it's not like a learning style or a learning strategy, but there's different levels of learning. So he talked about zero learning. So zero learning is straight stimulus response conditioning, yeah. rote memory. Uh, so we can train a rat to ring a bell, get some food, and we can say the rat has learned to ring the bell, but not really. They've just been conditioned. Yeah. And it's alive and well in the educational system, and, and, it's, and it's needed. So, you, know, you learn your timetables by rote. You learn, if you play music, you learn your scales by rote. You have to, to get some foundation in. But if that's all you got, you know, you're being conditioned. Yes. Learning level one is applied learning. That's about skill development. All training is about that. So it'll be example of you learned your timetables. Now you've got a maths exam. Here's a problem, solve it mm -hmm. using what you know. You need learning one skills. And learning one skills are totally different than just rote memory. Learning two is learning how to learn. So it's about pattern recognition. Mm -hmm. So this is now how we learn how to learn, and therefore we can learn math, we can learn English, we can learn history, we can learn whatever we want, right? Because we have the skills of, of how to learn. Is this that some people learn differently? Some people learn, like correct. the best way to learn a language is to actually speak the language, but we also need to read the book That's and then correct. listen to it on audio and actually engage in conversation. That's right. Yeah. That's right. So if you learn patterns like we need multisensory input, we can chunk, we can use colors to activate different hemispheres, we can do a range of things, then those are all learning how to learn principles. Mm -hmm. But learning three, is a completely different game. Learning three is completely reorganizational. It's completely transformational. You, it's, it's evolutionary. So the, it's paradigm changing. Mm -hmm. right? And so someone that does a learning, the classic example I like to use is Buckminster Fuller. So when Buckminster Fuller coined the term of, of synergy, right? and he said, you know, you could say I could, I could do zero learning of one plus one equals two, and I've got that answer. And so if someone says, what's one plus one? You say two, and you don't know why. <laughs> you don't know what that's about. All you know is that's the answer, right? Yeah. Those were the sounds that went with that. Yeah. Oh, okay. Whereas <laughs> Buckminster Fuller didn't figure out, how do I learn my, my addition tables faster and quicker? He, he didn't even go to learning two. He went to learning three. And he just went, oh, one plus one could equal four. And I went, what? He said, yeah, you just have to go to, instead of quantities, you go to non-Euclidean non geometry, you go to three-dimensional space, you take one triangle and one triangle, and you take one and put it as the base, you take the other one apart, put the three sticks on the three corners, and pull them up to the top. Then how many surface planes do you now have? You have one, two, three, four. And he said, so one plus one can equal four. So now we have an increase of surface area with no increase in mass. The whole is greater than the sum the whole, of its parts. The whole paradigm totally right. shifted, hasn't it? It's, really it's a totally that. reorganized paradigm, right? But you had to, to come from there. Yeah. Mm. Right? Mm. Now, I started to discover from my behavioral modeling research that when people go through generative learning stages, and we all do this at various points in our life, if we can turn it into a competency, I would see four distinct changes, four, four different domains of changes. 
One is we would see a change in ontology, our way of being would change, who we are, and our sense of self starts to change, emerge differently. Our epistemology changes, which is the way we know the world, how we make sense, how we construct our realities change. Our teleology, what we think, where we're going, our purpose, our intentions, our end results start to change. They become, they become more congruent with who we are and how we know the world. And our phenomenology, how we experience the world, is different. What occurs to us in our world changes. And we know good generative learning is, is happening when we see totally different quality descriptions coming out in those four different areas. So when we talk about intention, I'll bring it back. When we talk about intention, I can be mindful in the sense of, oh, I, I want to work on my anger with my kids and not get angry. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's good. Start there. Now what? <laughs> yeah. But when you do mindfulness in a, in a very generative way, when you really reflect on how you're orienting your world and is, is this the most great form of expression of who you are, two things. One, if you're trying to do it from a stressed state, good luck. Mm. You're, you're locked into a whole set of neurological patterning that keeps you in your problem state. If you can go back to, as you said earlier, come back from this pace, place of peace, which I'm going to equate to autonomic coherence. Right? When your sympathetic and parasympathetic are now in balance and you've now got a nice coherent state, your heart rate variability is now nice, co nicely coherent, what happens is an emergence now starts to occur. And you start to find that a, a more authentic way of being starts to emerge, a, a better ontology, epistemology, teleology, phenomena, all start to emerge that you could not predict before. Mm. When I do leadership coaching sessions with people in this way, often when they say, when they start the coaching session, this is what I want. I want to achieve this, which is generally going to be some form of, I'm having this problem, and my goal is to not have that. Yeah. <laughs> but it seems right? such a limited, primary school way of thinking. It I know is. that this is advanced leadership training, but life is problems. Yeah. Life is problems from the consciousness you're at. That's how you experience life. You experience life as all those problems because you're at that consciousness. Yeah, right. But if you could emerge to a higher order of consciousness... Some of those problems would A, not be problems, B, would actually be blessings. We'll end part one of this engrossing interview with Marvin Oka right there and pick up where we left off next week on 100 Not Out. Don't forget the 100 Not Out lifestyle two-day event with Damien and myself is coming up on November 12 and 13 in Melbourne. Regular tickets are 997. 100 Not Out listeners can come along at just 297 for a limited time. All the details at 100notout.com. Look forward to seeing you there. That's it from 100 Not Out. Until next week, as always, continue to make the rest of your life the best of your life. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.